the way that I teach people to leave teaching is if you are open to breaking your teaching contract, and that is a very personal Ooh, and hard decision. Yeah. But if you are open to your to breaking your teaching contract, you're applying to jobs year round, and then you're only leaving your teaching position once you have a job lined up. Hey, this is Allison, and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast, where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. Today, we've got an incredible guest who's all about helping educators shape their careers and finances. I want to introduce you to Daphne Gomez, the force behind Teacher Career Coach and the host of the Teacher Career Coach podcast. She's gone from the classroom to a Fortune 500 company and even launched her own gig all while helping teachers thrive in their careers. Daphne's here to share her journey and insights and talk about how teachers can make the transition while keeping their financial health in check. Daphne, welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited you're here too. So could you start by telling us a little bit about what inspired you to pivot from teaching and instructional design to becoming a career coach for teachers? Yeah. So it started out when I was a teacher and I was looking to transition out of the classroom myself. I really struggled to find any resources. This is back in 2017. So I did all the Google searches, other jobs that hired teachers. And it was like, oh, be a tutor or a nanny. Mm -hmm. Or have you thought about working as a principal? Like there were, there were no websites or resources that really talked about how my master's degree and my skills would translate into another role. And I knew that I needed to find a completely different career, at least for a year to heal from whatever had happened that school year. I just needed to find something. So I ended up working for a really well-known Fortune 500 company as an educational consultant. And it was a really great gig. I was speaking at national conferences. I was doing stuff for their education department. And during that time, I worked completely free to the schools and districts that I worked with. But as a consultant that helped create professional developments or create solutions for their classrooms. And during that time, a lot of the teachers that I worked with would whisper, how did you get out? <laughs> even my former colleagues who I thought were really mm -hmm. happy would reach out and say, how did you find a job outside of the classroom? How did you get this job? I had former principals of mine wow. reach out and say, hey, you work for this really cool company. Would I be able to do something mm -hmm. like that? And so that sparked the idea, but it didn't really come to fruition until I started working for another really known tech startup as an instructional designer. And for anyone who's curious, instructional design is just, you know, creating digital courses, creating e-learning experiences. My job was to create the teacher training program to help them learn how to use this program in their own classroom so that they could just go to a website and watch training videos from someone who had a teaching background. But the more I learned about instructional design and creating the course, I thought, I want to create that program, the thing mm -hmm. that I didn't have when I was in the classroom. I want to create something that doesn't exist. And so that's when I really started focusing on creating Teacher Career Coach, which has been years in the making. And honestly, one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done in my life, mm -hmm. even past teaching. 
Oh my gosh. So teacher career coach really guides teachers into how to exit the classroom and use their degree to do something else that might be fulfilling to them. That's the, that's the overall of what, especially our course does where we help people rewrite their resumes and translate their experience. Mm -hmm. But teacher career coach as a company has really become a place where people are able to just go and evaluate other careers Mm. judgment-free and stigma-free. And what I really like from the lens of being a teacher is that I'm able to create this overall resource library of, hey, come over here and you can actually have this hard conversation, but let me talk about Mm -hmm. where you are on the pension scale so that you know Mm. how this may impact you. Or let's interview therapists who talk about how being in these helper positions can really have an impact on your mental health and all the things that you may want to consider looking at before leaving the classroom, Mm. because leaving the classroom is not going to be a great fit for every single person. There are other factors in your life that may be making you unhappy as a teacher and you want to evaluate holistically what's going on. And if I tell you, you know, changing schools or grade levels or looking at the pension makes you roll your eyes in the back of your head and you say, (laughs) absolutely not, like I have to leave. Well, then, yeah, we absolutely have the resources to help you leave. But it's Mm -hmm. become something much bigger than just everyone should leave. And that's what I Mm -hmm. really like making sure people know about Teacher Career Coach also is that we hope that people take the time because it is such a big important decision it's a scary one but it's one that's absolutely possible if you know in your heart that that's what you want yes and i actually want to take a minute real quick because with inspired budget like i value teachers so much i was a teacher for 10 years my husband is a teacher he plans to remain as a teacher until he retires, until he can qualify for his full pension, which is like another 12 years or so. But I do want to say that I value teachers and it's very interesting to me now that I'm kind of out of the teacher world in terms of no longer teaching since 2019. It's so interesting how we have this different set of expectations for teachers that, hey, you need to start teaching right when you graduate college and we expect you to be a teacher forever. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy to me that the idea of leaving teaching is so scary. Whereas if you were to just step outside of the teaching world and go into the corporate world or just any other type of job, people are pivoting and changing all the time. Whereas Mm -hmm. as teachers, we feel so pigeonholed. And I think society pigeonholes us and saying, no, you're a teacher. You have to stay a teacher. And I want any teachers listening to let go of that expectation, because I think it's totally normal to adjust and pivot over your career. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that teaching wasn't wonderful for you. It doesn't mean that you're not a great teacher. It just means that we all have different times in our life and our career changes over time. And that's okay. Yeah, that's such a good point. And it's something we've talked about a lot before with people in our community, on our resources, Mm -hmm. is that teaching is one of the last professions that is this like forever career. There's a couple of other careers that are similar, but teaching is is very unique in the fact that you're expected to sign up and then retire from it. Where at Mm -hmm. other corporations, if you're working in marketing and you actually think that sales might be a better fit, after a couple of years, you can pivot or there's some sort of growth. And what really happens with that is You have a lot of people who are fresh out of college who get put in a profession 
Mm-hmm. And whether or not they are happy in the profession for all the other reasons why other teachers are leaving, there are people who are actually very happy in teaching, but they feel stagnant. Mm-hmm. They just they oh. just crave change because that is actually what's more normal mm-hmm. in career development and in other people's career trajectories is being able to learn new things. So after 10 years in the classroom, you might feel like that's kind of the same. And every day is chaos and different. Right. But there is this sense of reward when you continue to push yourself and continue to grow Mm -hmm. in new ways. And especially when that growth comes with some sort of extrinsic motivation and Mm -hmm. financial incentive with Mm -hmm. you hustle more and you get compensated more. That's something that people realize, oh, that actually motivates me a little bit more than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. And so just learning new things about yourself. You don't have to be an absolute miserable teacher. I was not well the last school year (laughs) that I had. And I have to say, I was one of those people that I had lost the joy of teaching Mm -hmm. altogether. But there are people who leave just based on, you know what, I think that it's time for me to try something new, mm-hmm. even if I'm not breaking down bawling on the way yeah. to work or all of those other really big red flags that make people know, mm-hmm. hey, it's time for me to go. Yeah. And that was me. I wasn't totally burnt out. I wasn't dreading going into the classroom. I still enjoyed my job, but I had, I'd been doing it for 10 years and I had this new thing that I was really excited about building this business that mm-hmm. was so fresh and so new and so rewarding. All I could think about was that. And that's what I went with. And in a way I'm still teaching, but it's okay for that. It's okay in 10 years for me to be done with Inspire Budget and pivot to something new. I love how you said that that is the norm outside of teaching. And so for any teachers that are listening or former teachers that are listening, I just want you to hear that it's okay for you to have those feelings and want a challenge outside of the classroom. It's also okay for you to just stay in the classroom, do what works for you. But I do want to know, Daphne, taking this leap, maybe just leaving teaching or just changing jobs entirely, it can be really scary financially, especially when you are used to this set income. So what do you recommend for the people that you work with to kind of have in place financially with their money to make sure that they're ready for this pivot for this change? So this is going to be one of those questions that's very hard to answer (laughs) because everybody is completely different. So I'll go over a couple of different scenarios, but I want to start with There's this really great quote. I think that the guy's name is Derek Sivers, and I apologize if I'm botching his name, but it's something around the lines of like change careers like Tarzan, like do not leave one vine until you have another vine that's basically holding you and supporting you. Mm -hmm. And that is the approach that I like to tell teachers Mm -hmm. to take. Be very cautious And especially because if you have not ever worked outside of the classroom, if your only experience is applying for teaching jobs, it feels competitive. When you're applying for teaching jobs, you're like, oh gosh, this is hard. Other jobs are going to be far more competitive and it's Mm going to be a little bit harder to get into them. So it's hard for me to tell you, make sure to have three months of emergency savings if you leave the classroom and you have absolutely no other source of income if you don't mm-hmm. have a significant other that's going to financially support you because there is no clear timeline of how long it's going to take. And I hate 
telling people that because mm-hmm. it's such a scary feeling. But I think that it's really important for everybody to be honest. And there are a lot of dishonest marketers out there that are going to tell you, buy this course for $2,000 and I'll get you a job in eight weeks. Oh. That is not a realistic offer and it's not something that someone can promise. So I want to make sure to be very transparent of anticipate the unexpected. Anticipate Mm -hmm. if you are unemployed, it may take three to six months to find employment that depending on what you are specifically looking for, if you are open to having what's called a stepping stone position, where you are at on your pay scale, and all of the things that I say mm-hmm. feel super negative right now because I want everyone to really understand, okay, this is how to prepare for this. And now on the positive side, there are so many people mm-hmm. who go into it with the mindset of, I can never match my salary. I'm making 60000 And then they immediately go into a new role and make seventy-five, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're shocked right? because they... They anticipated, oh, I'm only going to be able to take $40,000 positions. Mm -hmm. There are people who are more on a time crunch that do take lower Mm -hmm. pay. And then within a year or two, they end up being able to surpass their teaching salary because the pay scales changed so quickly and they were Mm -hmm. able to grow so rapidly in the company within that year. So there are all these different factors that are going to be unique. The way that I teach people to leave teaching is if you are open to breaking your teaching contract, and that is a very personal and hard decision. But if you are open to your, to breaking your teaching contract, you're applying to jobs year round, and then you're only Mm -hmm. leaving your teaching position once you have a job lined up. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to time it perfectly with your teeny tiny application window at the end of the school year, <laughs> then there's two different choices you can make there. And this is the option that many people do end up finding themselves in because mm-hmm. breaking your teaching contract is something that usually happens when you are really struggling and in this mm-hmm. really hard position and you know you just have to get out of teaching and yeah. you never plan to ever come back. But the people that wait until the end of the school year, they have it all set up. They've started rewriting their resume or taking our course by, you know, November or December of the year Mm -hmm. to identify jobs that they're really excited about, start to learn about those jobs, rewriting their resume, and then applying two months before their job is actually finished as a teacher. Yeah. Aggressively applying as much as they can and having everything ready to go. And then they have a month or two of wiggle room to potentially break a contract in the middle of the summer. But if it didn't happen for Mm -hmm. them during that time, they either sign and rinse and repeat the process for the stability, or they end up waiting a month or two uh, without any sort of employment. Mm -hmm. And those people usually do have a safety net set up of, I anticipated being unemployed for a certain amount of time. Here's my cushion. And then here's my plan B. If by September 15th, I don't have something, this is what I would plan Mm -hmm. on doing. Would I go back? Would I start substitute teaching? Would I be taking some sort of 
grocery store position or something that is maybe not going to live on my resume for the rest of my life. Right. It's going to pay my bills or help pay my bills for a little while while I'm looking for something else. And so that's where it's like so many different <laughs> paths that you can take. And just depending on what your needs are, your timeline needs are, your financial situation is, that's where these big decisions need to be made. Today's episode is brought to you by my free debt-free roadmap. If you have debt and you're trying to become debt-free, you know that it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming to figure out how to reach your end goal. And sometimes paying off debt is not as simple as it seems, which is why you need a roadmap fast. In this free debt-free roadmap, you're gonna get the seven easy steps to follow that will set you up for actual success on your debt-free journey. And I'll be sharing with you the three most common mistakes holding people back from paying off debt so that you can avoid them every single month. Plus, you'll get free resources sent straight to your inbox every single week. Go to inspirebudget.com slash debt-free to get instant access or click the link in my show notes right now. And I'm going to make a blanket statement, and this is obviously, I shouldn't make a blanket statement, but I will, that teachers tend to be planners, right? Just by Mm -hmm. nature, with the job, you have to have a plan. So they tend to be planners. And the idea of planning for all of these possibilities can be really overwhelming and really stressful, especially whenever you haven't, you've never had to do that before. So I love that you kind of break it down with your options. It's almost like you're you're on this little path, this walking path. And do you want to go left or do you want to go right? And if you choose to go left, okay, here are your options. So I like that you break it down and make it easy because that's really what teachers do for children and for others. And I love that you do that for teachers because it's nice to be, <laughs> it's nice to be guided sometimes instead of always doing the guiding. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things that helps me because I have a really good relationship with a therapist now and I've gone through (laughs) a lot of different exercises to help myself personally, but I suffer from anxiety. Leaving Mm -hmm. teaching was very, very challenging Mm -hmm. for me. And I try and not freak anyone out when I'm telling them things, but I want to make sure that they're prepared for roadblocks and that they can predict those roadblocks so that they can better plan for that because that is something that helps me with my own personal anxiety Mm -hmm. is thinking of what is the best that can happen? What is the worst that can happen? What would I do if the worst happened? Mm -hmm. And is it, you know, as Marie Forlo would say, figure outable. And that was one of those concepts that really helped me is, okay, if you left and the next job isn't the perfect job for you because I, I spiral and I want to think of every worst case scenario to make myself not do that Mm. big, scary thing. If fear is trying to talk you out of it, then think about like, okay, what if it's terrible? Let's just, you know, play devil's advocate and I'll let Mm -hmm. Debbie down or take control for a second. Well, is it better on my resume for me to have this position? Would it be easier for me to apply for jobs year round? Would I have my foot in the door at the types of companies I want to grow in? What What is the worst that could happen? And then if you left in a way that you still have your teaching license and that there weren't any repercussions for that career, would the worst case scenario be I could go back to teaching? There's potentially going to be plenty of openings and no, okay, I gave it the old college try and I tried it and I didn't like it. And now I went back. Like, is the worst case scenario that, or is the worst case scenario in 15 years knowing 
I never really pursued that. And I was unhappy Mm -hmm. for 15 more years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that point. So here's my question, because when I was unhappy and well, I won't say unhappy when I started feeling the need to challenge myself more and looking for something outside of teaching, I had no idea about the idea of starting my business yet. I remember Googling, Mm -hmm. I would be like, what do I want to do? And I remember the idea Daphne, the idea of going back to college and getting a different degree was like soul sucking for me. I was like, I just don't want to go back to school. I don't want to take on more debt and go back to college. But I honestly thought, and this was probably in like 2014, I thought that was my only option would Mm -hmm. be go back to college, get a different degree and then pivot somewhere else. So I want to know, is that a teacher's only option? And if not, what are the options that are available to them to not go further into debt, taking on more schooling and still be able to pivot out of the classroom? Yeah, that's such a good question because it's one of the most common ones. And I think it comes from one, once again, many of us, not generalizing all teachers, but many of us went into teaching as our first profession, like Mm -hmm. our first real career choice. And teaching is one of the few highly regulated, very tied Mm. to your higher education types of careers that you need this certification. If, oh, if you even want to raise, you better go and get another master's. All of the things that have to do with getting in the classroom tell us time and time again, we have to go back to these higher education institutes in Mm -hmm. order to get that career advancement. However, the reason why you would tell someone to go from high school to higher education is because they don't have any career experience. So from a human resources point of view, if you're looking at someone's resume and they're applying for marketing position, but they've never had any experience in marketing at all, then you would hope that you'd be able to see some sort of Uh, schooling that they've done towards Mm -hmm. marketing. The difference here is you are a teacher who has established a professional career. Mm -hmm. You do have experience, but the most important part is being able to strongly articulate how your skills are translating into the roles that you're applying for. So if you're looking for a corporate trainer position, many teachers struggle with this step. So I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit, but People struggle and they try and say like, well, isn't it obvious how a teacher would be a corporate trainer? Obviously, there's a lot of overlap here, but what human resources people are looking for are specific examples of Mm -hmm. when you trained adults. So think about like those back to school nights when you're training the parents on how to do things. Think about the times that you trained other teachers, even really small groups. Think Mm -hmm. about any time you were in charge of a grade level team. Look for very clear examples of that specific job and then throw out anything else that isn't relevant. So anything to do with children specific, oh, I mean, fourth grade curriculum, that's not going to be something they're really Mm -hmm. looking for. They're looking for those experiences of, oh, I was able to differentiate with different audiences. That's something that would be relevant. But same with customer support and customer success. They're not Mm going to care that you were really good with classroom management. And I'm so sorry, but they don't care about (laughs) curriculum design. They don't care about that type of thing, but they do care about learning how you communicated Mm -hmm. with your parents. Yes. 
they do care about how you measured whether or not the parents were opening the emails or mm -hmm. if you, which not, not that many teachers do, but these are no. the types of things that we talk about in the course of while you're still in the classroom, here's ways mm -hmm. to beef up your resume and talk about what you were doing in a way that human resources, hiring managers, recruiters are going to be mm -hmm. able to say, oh, you get this job and I can see how your skills translate. And that's what kind of count, that's why you don't have to go back to school or get mm -hmm. a master's. You may, depending on the type of position, want to get additional certification, not all of them, but there are some jobs like project management that are heavily relying on looking for like PMP certification. Not all of them, but once again, this is the type of stuff that we go kind of deep dive yeah. in the course of. These are ones that you can do. Here's how you can do it with your teaching experience. Mm -hmm. Here's ways to do it low cost. And then also here's the ones that are like, go to this job first, and then you can work your way up yeah. towards this other career. Yes. And actually, I talk about that in my book because so often people forget that that's an option. If you can take a cut and pay, but get yourself in the door it's not like teaching where there's a set salary and every year you get your $500 bump plus whatever 1% raise they give you. The ability to make more money faster is incredible. So if you're mm -hmm. willing to just take a small pay cut to get yourself in and then move up, you can. So I love that. And I love that you really share the options and you lay out all the cards, right? Like look at all the cards on the table. Here are your options. What's going to work for you? And once you choose that, let's take that path. Is that what you do? Yeah. And I think one of the biggest struggles that people have is they see themselves as a teacher. And so they hear, okay, well, this teacher went into instructional design. I'm going to use that as a um, mm -hmm. sample path because that's what I did. And it's a popular one for teachers. And so people hear, okay, instructional design, that it has like teaching language in the title yes. or like trainer, learner and development. Those all have teachers in the title and they think that's going to be the perfect fit for me because another teacher did it. Mm. And what's so important to do is really some reflection of uh, what grade did you teach? I taught Just third, curious. fourth and fifth grade, but fifth grade was my favorite. Okay. I was a fifth grade teacher too. So with your fifth grade level team, not everyone liked making cutesy like PowerPoint presentations. Not right. everyone excelled at graphic design. Not everyone as intelligent as all of your team was. Not everyone was probably great with time management or great mm -hmm. with tracking the data or loved organizing files or mm -hmm. everybody has their own strengths and their own things inside teaching that they were good at. And so like instructional design will start to ask, well, are you excited about using technology? Were you really excited about learning new technology and challenging mm -hmm. yourself to adapt and create resources mm -hmm. using that technology? And when they say, oh, I actually hated that part, like, well, instructional design is not going to be a good fit for you. Yeah. And then when it comes to like sales, vast majority of teachers right off the bat will tell you absolutely not that's not a good fit mm -hmm. for me and then you'll start to <laughs> talk to them and like career clarity calls and find out well I'm that type of person that loves watching my data and I get very extremely motivated on watching the data I'm mm -hmm. also very competitive with myself maybe they're an athlete they like the ability to talk to people and mm -hmm. help people 
And a yeah. lot of the misconceptions around sales are that you're just like pushing something that, right. you know, what do I have to do to get you in this car today? Yeah. Or it's very, and they don't realize, well, a lot of sales is talking to someone and saying, hey, here's what we have. And knowing you, listening to what you're saying, making inferences off of what you're saying, this is what I think would be the best fit for you. And this is mm -hmm. why. And this I is how it. this could help you. And it's just a helpful guide. But then also there is compensation that goes according to hustle. And some people are very motivated by that. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, you are a world of information for anyone really, well, mostly teachers who are interested in kind of just learning more about themselves and what options are available out there. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and what you have to offer. Yeah. So you can go to our website. It's teachercareercoach.com. We have links. There's like a free career quiz you can take. We have a podcast with over a hundred episodes. Um, Allison was on one of them. Hopefully by the time you head over there, you can listen to our interview. But I would talk to former teachers in a variety of positions or share my getting started tips or talk to therapists, people about advocating for policies to help change teachers. So lots of different subjects, not just leaving teaching, but mostly for those who are really evaluating it and know that there needs to be a change. Daphne, at the end of every interview, we like to ask just three questions to get to know you better. Don't think too much about them. The first one is, what is one thing you're looking forward to? One thing that I'm looking forward to, so this is the first year that I am having babies. So right now, as we're recording this, I have twins inside of my belly. I am a first time mom. So by the time this airs, hopefully we're looking at two little, little cuties. Um, oh so I'm really gosh. excited about that journey and, and seeing how it changes me and my husband and just growing our family is just a really exciting time of our life. Yes. Oh, congratulations. You're going to love it. I hope so. If you're, you're already, <laughs> you've already committed. So. <laughs> yeah. The second question is what's one money mistake you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Oh yeah. So I took so long to trust investing. Even mm. after I left the classroom, I knew that I needed to supplement my retirement because I was no longer trying to stay dependent on the pension. And right when I got that first role outside of the classroom, I was making a little bit more money and I started to put it in, you know, the baby steps. I was trying to put it in like high yield savings accounts. Mm -hmm. But every time I thought about opening up my own 401k or an IRA or even just like a regular brokerage account, I was like, oh, the stock market is it's so it's so sketchy. And I didn't really do enough research to trust it. Mm -hmm. And it took me probably four or five years before I realized, okay, you're not trying to take that money out in six months, like put it yeah. in and let it set <laughs> and let it work for you. And that is one mistake. If you have been listening to anyone talking about personal mm -hmm. finance, just starting small and knowing this is money that I don't need in the near future, just so you can watch it and get comfortable with it so that you yes. stop being so nervous. That I think is just such a good first step. And I wish I would have mm -hmm. done it when I was 20 and not oh. 30. 
37 years old when I did yeah. it, probably. I'm the same way. I wish I had started sooner. I think it's totally normal. And that's, I actually get that answer a lot because it does seem like you you use the perfect word, sketchy. If you don't know about it, it yeah. seems sketchy. So yeah. I know a lot of people are going to feel very seen by that answer. Uh, the last question isn't a question at all. Just finish this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is? I would say a trip to Europe with my husband last year. I am trying to be less frugal and <laughs> value time and experiences mm -hmm. over saving. Because <laughs> I, I definitely have the money mindset of making sure I have enough money to take care of my family, mm -hmm. hopefully not making big money mistakes, but being able to save a very specific amount of money and taking the time to actually go to Europe was one of the most memorable things that we've ever done and something I'll never forget. And it it was truly worth the money. So that was yeah. wonderful. Oh, good. Where did you go? What was your favorite spot? Just super fast. Hard to say because we did Italy, France, and Germany. It was Ooh. our honeymoon. Positano, maybe because that okay. was my Positano, Italy. That was my that was my dream part, and I got my wish. So, oh, I love it. Well, Daphne, thank you so much for joining us on the Inspire Budget Podcast. I'll link to your podcast and your website down below. And good luck with the twins. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you know a teacher that might be interested in transitioning out of the classroom, be sure to send this episode to them and leave a rating or review. I'll be back next week with another brand new episode. See you then.